BMW. The 77%. Hi there. Welcome to this week's edition of the 77% show. A platform that gives you the opportunity to be part of the conversation shaping Africa. I am your host, Michael Oti, and I'm glad that this week you could join us. Nigeria is Africa's most populous nation. More than 100 million people could vote in the 2019 elections, but they didn't. Why? People have general belief, whether you are high or you are low, there's a general belief that comes across the line that our votes don't really count at the end of the day because what they declare as a result is always the opposite of our expectations. In the Gambia, some youth believe that their choices don't matter. How do you explain to a voter that has been voting for more than 10 times in elections after every five years when such a woman is pregnant, she would have to be put on a donkey cart to be transported from where she is to another place. So some of them don't feel the need. The president of the Gambia Bar Association is proposing that voting should be made mandatory and those who fail to do it fined. You don't want to miss today's debate. Remember, you are free to join the discussion on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Share your views. I really want to hear from you. Voter apathy. You know, it's a major problem around the world. But in Africa, where majority of the population is young, Voter apathy doesn't just affect the outcome of elections, but also the sense that the views of young people matter and that they are also a part of the system. Let's kick off today's show in Nigeria. It is Africa's most populous country. During the 2019 presidential elections, only 35% of the country cast their ballot in a place where more than 100 million people were eligible to vote. Let's hear why. People just feel their leaders just get there and forget about their promises. They are not delivering on their promises. I believe if people see that promises made are fulfilled, then that will ginger their interest. Until then, voters' apathy will continue to be there. People have general belief, whether you are high or you are low, there's a general belief that comes across the line that our votes don't really count at the end of the day because what they declare as a result is always the opposite of our expectations. Basically, that lack of faith, if we can deal with that situation, then I'm sure many people will begin to talk more about how they can make a difference and more about how they can participate in the elections you know, going forward. Nigerian voters don't trust government, so they don't believe they should waste their time electing government that will not bring any difference to their lives. At the time, you discover that the election becomes something for, you know, hooligans. You discover that sometimes, even during the election, you see people hijacking ballot box, you see guns here and there, and nobody would like to risk his life, his or her life. Because of that, people stay away during elections. Mixed responses from Abuja in Nigeria. In the Gambia, which is in West Africa, 22 years of Yaya Jame's rule left a legacy of mistrust in elections. Our correspondent Omar Wali in Banju brings us this week's debate. Omar, take over. 
Thank you so much, Michael Oti. I will go straight into the discussion. But before that, let me introduce my panelists. Mr. Sajo D. Bojang is a final year student of the University of the Gambia School of Journalism and Digital Media. Maria Madanso, also a final year student from the University of the Gambia reading English language. And Mr. Sally Utal, a legal practitioner and president of the Gambia Bar Association. I will start with Sajo. Why do you support the motion that voting should be mandatory in the Gambia? My take is voting should be mandatory in the Gambia. And if we flick back the pages of history to 1888, when the Gambia get his first legislative election with Gambians, the enfranchise was limited to the colonies, that is to say Banjul and the environs, as well as Georgetown, while about 80% of the population, which is the protectorate, were denied to vote. So this has awakened something in some of the our forefathers who thought that is not possible, whereby half of the population is the enfranchised, whereby a small group of people are given the right to vote. So they thought it wise um, to fight for the right of others, as well as fight for the right of Africans to be part of the UK, then the colonial masters in their parliament. So yes, I think it should be mandatory because of what they believe and how important that process is. Mariam, you oppose the motion that voting should not be mandatory in the Gambia. Give us your take. I think election is a matter of choice most of the time. And then so long as people run out of options, they should be given the leeway to decide whether they want to take part in an electoral process or not. We believe elections is like a business sort of where politicians come up to sell their ideas. So if an electorate is in a situation where he or she does not deem any of the policies fit, um, he or she have the every right not to be mandated or to be forced to take a decision on matters he or she decides to take a neutral stand on. Mr. Tal, what is your take on this? Personally, my view is that voting should not be mandatory, but should be encouraged at all costs, because it's one of the most important expressions of citizenship. Having a right to determine the fate of your leadership, determine the person who will now steer the affairs of your country, I think should be the interest of every citizen. So, Sajo, voting might be seen as a civic right. Is it not normal for people to say, I won't participate in elections? That is very, very abnormal. In fact, why will anyone say that I won't participate in elections? If you, if you listen to some of the argument they will give you is, I don't see the right person to vote for, or I don't even have the time to go to the polling station to cast my vote. But everybody wants a good road network. Everybody wants a good health system. Everybody wants a good education system. How do you have that? How do you get that? That is the question. You have that through voting in people with the competence, with the capacity to, to provide the services that you need. The more reason why you should have people to go to the polling station and vote for the people that they think will best serve their interests. Considering the time and resources millions are spent in organizing elections in this country, is it fair for it to be voluntary? I think you've mentioned something that is very important. The millions of dollars that are spent on elections and to a point it, it has given power to one person enriching himself, grossly embezzling national state funds and also trying to have a cabal of people that he would be dealing with and then the national resources that should have been distributed to taxpayers is, is in the hands of few people and they manage that kakistocracy system of making sure everything, that kleptomaniac system where everything remains in the hands of few people. I think 
voting is one direct way of telling African politicians, there you go, exploit us. So it is one mentality that most people have, and it's the reason we believe voting should not be mandatory. How would you explain to somebody that has been voting for more than five, seven times when their children still sit on mats to accept or to get access to primary education? How would you explain to a voter that has been voting for more than 10 times in elections after every five years when such a woman is pregnant, she would have to be put on a donkey cart to be transported from where she is to another place. So some of them don't feel the need because under normal circumstances, when you vote for a person, it's on the basis of promises that they have made. So if these promises time without number are repeated and nothing happens at the end of the day, it's like you're trying to beat a dead horse and there's no point wasting your time going to the polls to vote when the incumbent has every power and every energy to reach the elections or win and don't do anything about your cases. We've seen that and I think Gambia is a practical example of that where we've seen the opposition being suppressed to a point those that affiliate to them wouldn't take the time to go out to vote because they've already felt that whether we go out or not the incumbent was going to win the elections and when he does it's about him and his close family members that are going to enjoy the national resources that each and every citizen should have an entitlement to. Mr. Tal, we saw voter apathy during former president Yahya James reign who once said neither election nor coup can remove him from power. And quite often you hear Gambians said it is God that chose leaders and if their time is up, they will leave. Was that a valid point that contributed to voter apathy? I don't think there's any valid point that should discourage a citizen from participating in an election for starters. Voter apathy is not unique to Gambia. I mean, even in very advanced democracies, we've seen a level of voter apathy. I think a lot of times the citizens don't even understand why they are voting. My argument is let's help, I mean, educate and inculcate a sense of patriotism in our citizens. And one of the ways of doing that is making sure they understand that they have the power in their card. That card can help them choose the right type of leader that will give them the kind of gamut they want. Tell us what you think. So we are back here in Bonn, Germany, to take a look at some of the messages that you have sent onto our Facebook page. And Chigwena Okwoma says that it's going to get worse because Nigerians don't trust this government would allow for a fair presidential election. And Kiza Ezra on Facebook says that we lost trust in leaders and their electoral systems. Moving on, Mohammed Abdul Mumin Stopper says that the more that these people fail to vote, the longer they will suffer. Because if the wise refuse to vote, the fools will vote the thief or the wrong person into office. Some more comments. Um, Inzube Oyoma says that simply give the people good governance and dividends of democracy and portray a sense of national cohesion. The final one I want to take on our Facebook page, that is Dane Warren. He says that I believe that making voting mandatory would force eligible voters to go to the ballots and make the public politically active. But a major problem would be enforcement. So these are your comments and I really appreciate you sending them to our Facebook page. Let's head back to the Gambia where Omar Wali is standing by with his panel. This is the 77% coming to you from the Gambian capital, Banjul. I am Omar Wali. We are discussing a very important subject, voting. Should it be mandatory in the Gambia? 
My panelists are Mr. Sadio D. Bojang, a student from the University of the Gambia School of Journalism and Digital Media. Maria Madanso, also a student of the University of the Gambia, and Mr. Salio Tal, a legal practitioner and president of the Gambia Bar Association. Sadio, in Australia, the fine is $20. What are you proposing for the Gambia to punish someone who refuses to vote? I think a fine of $1,000 for a start should do, because I believe... Hence, we aren't paying for the cut. The only duty that we have now is to go and cast that vote because government has spent millions of millions of dollars to enable you to exercise that right, that right to choose who you want to, in our case, to lead you for the next five years. For the interest of our listeners, $1,000 is approximately 20 euros. Mariam, do you think the fine is too harsh or is reasonable? I'm not sure it's harsh. I think it, it's an illusion to me, if you ask me, because um, like you've said, a thousand dollars is somebody's salary somewhere in the Gambia. So if you're asking people to pay a whole salary of a month because they refuse at their own level to exercise their right, I think they were still infringing on their rights. Voters card is a matter of choice. It's politics. Politics is choice, but citizenship is not. So we should instead focus on how we make sure our Gambians get access to this document free of charge. And we are comparing Gambia to Australia. That is what I find so funny. It's like we are not the same. Australia is one country that has made sure it has achieved a lot when it comes to enlightening its her people one and also providing them with their basics. So they are now on privileges. We are not even on the basics yet. We are still in a traditional stage of development. So if you're saying you're going to attach a fine for people to vote, I think that is one thing that wouldn't work. Mr. Tal, what is your take on this? Mandatory fine or that should not be fine? At the end of the day, we can cut and paste ideas from very, very developed environments, and those may not work in our environment because we have a very different context, different history, and we're in a different stage of our political maturity. So I think the notion of a fine will not work because one is affordability. $1,000 is a lot for a lot of governments. So what happens if the person doesn't pay? You're going to take them to the congested mile too? You're going to get our congested prisons busy. You're going to get our congested courts busy. Our overworked congested police trying to find, I mean, I mean trying to fight courts. I mean, crime now have to worry about, I mean, maybe 50,000 people who haven't paid. I mean, it's, it's just not realistic, to be honest. For the interest of our listeners, Mile 2 is Gambia State Central Prison. So, Sadio, Mr. Tal made mention of what we call donkey voting, where people will go and vote for the sake of voting. They can even go and place their ballot papers or marbles on the table without voting for anybody because there is a law in place that said if you don't vote, we will punish you. Do you think it's possible for government to enforce this law, if there is any? Of course, I think it's, it's very, very possible. Mariama, what is your take on that? I think our forefathers would be disappointed if they should come up now to see exactly what's going on. The forefathers fought for equality, recognition, and relevance. This was against us and another group of people. But now the fight is within us, within. So the issue of having them come, it still boils down to the same thing. You cannot compel people to make a decision. That is very undemocratic. So when we want to practice on the principles of democracy, people should be given the chance to decide on their own at their own level. Mr. Stahl, finally, what do you think is the way forward? I think we should intensify civic education, starting from the primary school level. So we teach our young ones that what being a patriot means you need to understand the responsibilities of citizenship, meaning participating, 
in building your country. And part of the process is being able to hold your leaders accountable and also rewarding those who are performing in the interest for the greater good of the country. And one of the ways you can do that is through voting. And, and examples of how voting, let's say our kids now would know that we had a 22-day-old dictatorship that we were able to change you know, with a card, a voting card. So we can teach that to our kids. It is possible. Sergio, finally. I will call on the Gambians to exercise that right that was fought for for them to be able to make the people that should stand for them and change their life. It should be compulsory on people to go and vote and then failure of which should result to fines. With that, we have come to the end of the debate. I was joined by Mr. Sadio D. Bojang, a student of the University of the Gambia, also Maria Madanso, also from the University of the Gambia, and Mr. Salio Tal, legal practitioner and the president of the Gambia Bar Association. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. You know, the, the debate was so insightful. The arguments on both sides are so good, so cogent, that I'm not even sure where I stand on this matter. The proposal to make voting mandatory is already in practice in Australia, as Omar Wali said. Here in Bonn, I asked my colleague Ineke Muse, who is also Australian, how well this policy works. Take a listen. It's very simple. It's very clear. If you are an Australian citizen over the age of 18, it is compulsory to be enrolled and it's compulsory to vote. And how is that enforced? It's not enforced exactly. I mean, there are penalties if you don't vote, but even the penalties aren't particularly severe. We're looking at fines. I mean, for a, for a federal election, you're looking at around 20 Australian dollars. That's about 40 euros, say. And for state elections, that's probably a little bit higher, closer to 80 Australian dollars. But generally, that's the only thing that you can expect to get if you fail to vote or fail to enrol. But when you look at Australia now, you have, ever since this was introduced back in 1924, you've had easily every election at least 90% of the people voting, if not more, and at least 90% of people enrolled. I think the last I checked, it was around 95% actually. So I can't actually think of any story of someone who hadn't voted and got a very severe penalty. And in many cases, if you don't vote, you have the opportunity to explain yourself as well. And most of the time that goes down very easily. I mean, perhaps part of that as well, if they had extremely strict uh, penalties, that kind of thing, then people would be more likely to stand up against compulsory voting. But it is very, very popular in Australia. And it's not so much even an issue necessarily. People do get engaged with politics much the same way they do in other parts of the world. Some people are totally apathetic about politics, but when it comes to the voting system, it really is what it is. And when you grow up with that system, it's it's accepted. Thank you very much, Ineke. And no again, Ineke Mills is my colleague. She's Australian. And I've been speaking to her about Gambia's prospect of introducing mandatory voting. I roll out with no cash on me, calm now with no mash on me. Stay away from these ashy utes so they come around and get ash on me. That's 5,000 capacity, 5,000 capacity, then spread that over the UK and then add it up and get back to me, you pussy. That wraps up this week's edition of the 77% show. You can keep the conversation going on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Do you think that voting should be made mandatory? Let me know. 
you can visit our webpage dw.com forward slash 77 to listen to this show again as well as previous ones. On behalf of the production team here in Bonn, my name is Michael Oti. And until next time, thanks for listening. Watch your back, come on smoke. Dodge the paps and do both. My boys on maximum boats. Ain't no time to blind, man. Know my team from here to Thailand. You man got that gun of my man, so you man got that gun on finance. Like, what's this? Rent this thing by your own. Use my paint to sting, fry your dome. Want me to send for them, mind the throne. Cliche, rep it, ends die alone. Cliche, run your gun.